travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 29. This one is Three Nights in Chiang Mai. And Chiang Mai is one of those legendary travel destinations that most people who travel a lot know the name, maybe they've been, yet everybody has a different picture of it in their head. No doubt a highly personal one, especially after going, they each have a very different, unique experience. Is it a small town? Is it a mountain hideaway? A thriving modern city? Historic hub? Artistic enclave? Emerging hipster hangout? Well, it's a bit of all those things bundled into one nice package. So today, we're going to explore what Chiang Mai means to us, share some of our favorite spots, and give you some great tips for your next trip. So this is Scott Coates from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and joining me from Bangkok is... Trevor Ranges. How you doing today, Scott? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I've switched rooms for recording and now realize it is very echoey, so I apologize to listeners for that, but I'm doing well. I'm going to be moving back to Bangkok at the beginning of August, so then we'll be able to record these in person, which will be cool. Yeah. When people listen to this episode, you'll probably be back here. You know what? I, I will be. That's a very good point. So, I mean, Chiang Mai, you've written travel guidebook about Chiang Mai and about Thailand. Give me a quick overview of kind of your impression of, say, Chiang Mai from when you first before you went, when you first went, and how that's changed over the years. You know what, I think that, uh, well, I first came to Thailand in 1996, and I think that what I did was what a lot of people do. They're kind of scared by Bangkok, they don't want to go to this big city, they, they want to see the real Thailand, and so what I did was I flew right into Bangkok, and, and the next morning I was on the train up to Chiang Mai, and I envisioned Chiang Mai as this exotic Thai, northern, different city kind of vibe and and while Chiang Mai, yeah. Chiang Mai is very different mm-hmm. it's also a pretty big city it's bigger than Honolulu you know yeah yeah so um, you know yeah. it's not I mean and it is like Chiang Mai is the name of the city as well as the province so I think right. a lot of people's preconceptions are based on you know the mountains with the hill tribes and the elephants and all that and, and Chiang Mai city is quite different yeah you know I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you is that uh, when I went there the first time, well, I was actually as a backpacker and I, I didn't have that much of an impression. But when I first moved there and I went, I'm like, man, this is a city, it's a big city. Like, and you have to go quite a ways to get out into the great outdoors. So I was kind of put off for many, many years, probably really the first 10 years of living and working there. We always took our guests on our trips to the northernmost province, one north called Shanghai. And, you know, as I got to know it, that changed over the years. How, how did, I know your impression has changed, so how did it change? Yeah, well, I think that the city itself has changed quite a bit. And, and when we talk about city, Chiang Mai's got maybe a million people nowadays in the mm-hmm. province. Is that about right? And uh, Actually, two million in the province, wow. but the greater metropolitan sprawl is a million yeah. of Chiang Mai itself. Yeah. And, but it's not like a, a traditional city in that there's not really any high-rises. And that's part of the reason why it's this big sprawl nowadays. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, but they definitely do have some air pollution problems, and that's the, yeah. the slash and burn farming and, and just burning trash and, and whatnot. So <laughs> it does have some big city problems, including uh, traffic. I, I think yeah. that was one of the reasons why Smiling Albino kind of chose Chiang Rai over Chiang Mai, because like from the center of Chiang Mai, you're like, ooh, I want to go see elephants. Ooh, I want to go see, see hill tribes. you, you got to drive like an hour just to get out of town to get on some road yeah. to get somewhere yeah. to see anything, you know? At the same time, uh, Chiang Mai has some amazing history and the old city itself is still quite neat um, the culture is distinct from Bangkok and the southern Very. Thai people and, yeah. uh, and, and so I still like I go to Chiang Mai quite often I went there for the new National Geographic Thailand guidebook um, that came out this year. I was there last year for for a good month or so, trying to mm -hmm. like see what's new and what's going on. And and I definitely do appreciate Chiang Mai a whole lot more, and and do enjoy what what they have to offer nowadays. Yeah, you know, you mentioned um, that we kind of avoided it for for a long time because of the distance to get out to the great outdoors, and that sort of was the reason. And I remember distinctly in my mind for a decade, I was like, ah, oh, Chiang Mai is crap. But you know, later on, when we had guests that maybe wanted some really fine hotels and they wanted some nice meals and, and a little more kind of variety that larger centers have, I started to come around to it and you realize that, okay, if it's outdoors all the time you want, then it can be frustrating getting out of the city. But if you want a mix of kind of what cities have to offer with some real, truly unique historical aspects, then it's great. I've come around. I'm a big fan. But uh, maybe we'll get into some history. But right before that, why don't we talk a bit about our sponsor, Greg's Bangkok. What is it, Trevor? Uh, Greg's Bangkok is a travel app for your smartphone that mm -hmm. takes you on personalized little neighbor. I guess it's personalized. It's it's Greg Jorgensen, his very right. personal tour guide to certain neighborhoods around the city. Yeah, Greg's a friend of ours, and I think there's like 10 or 12 area tours. You just throw in your headphones into your iPod, and you follow his voice and walk around. And it's pretty darn neat. He's a really great authority. I mean, Lonely Planet lists his blog as one to read. And uh, thanks to him for sponsoring. Pretty tip top. Yep, good stuff. I definitely recommend it, uh, especially if you're not the kind of person who wants to hire a proper tour guide, um, but yeah. you want a little bit more insight uh, without having to tote around a book. Um, you got your phone with you already. It's got maps. It's got pictures. Like you said, it's got the audio mm. explanation. Uh, I downloaded it. it. It was well worth the uh, 60 baht, I believe, I paid for it. I paid three dollars, which is about ninety bucks. Mm -hmm. It is worth it. So, before we get into our tips and what there is to do, I just want to kind of lay down a really quick Chiang Mai 101. It is Thailand's kind of northern capital, unofficially, and it always really has been. It was founded in 1296 by a gentleman called King Mengrai, and it was actually founded as a new city to its neighbor to the north, Chiang Rai. Chiang Rai was founded in 1262 by King Mingrai, and Sheng is city, and Mai means new, so it was made the new city in 1296, and it was capital of the Kingdom of Lana from 1296 to 1768. Uh, the Emerald Buddha that's now in Bangkok at the Grand Palace, and Wat Prakau used to be there at a time, and it has had historical alliances with Myanmar, they've battled it out with Myanmar over the years, a lot of tussling back and forth, it was always a trading and transport hub, hence the people's features are a little different there. Um, there's a lot of neat craftsmanship and workmanship, and this comes from hundreds and hundreds and even probably thousands of years of trading. But as you mentioned, it's a, it's a pretty big place now. 160,000 in the city limits itself, but about a million in the larger sprawl. And Chiang Mai is actually one of 77 provinces in Thailand. And one thing a lot of people probably don't know is that every province has 
a capital by the same name. So when you say Chiang Mai, that's a city, but it's also a huge province with all kinds of mountains and outdoors. So sometimes people land, I think, expecting bamboo huts and rice paddies as soon as they get off the plane, and they're in for a bit of shock to see ring roads and expressways, but those aren't far away. So um, yeah, that's just a very quick background. I hope I did okay, Trevor, because you're the real guidebook writer, but, but there it is. Yeah, and actually, you know, for people who are interested in history, um, again, I, I think we did a, a fair job in the National Geographic Thailand book, but uh, I, I think I did a better job on the Tourism Authority of Thailand website about the history. Um, I think that oh, yeah. the, the history of those early kingdoms of Thailand is is really fascinating. And, uh, sure is. And Chiang Mai, Chiang Rai, all of that area, uh, and, and Lampun and Lampang, just south of Chiang Mai. I think that's one of the cool things about Chiang Mai that we'll get into a little bit is that there are pretty cool day trips uh, to neighboring cities and, and areas around Chiang Mai. So while Chiang Mai is called the Rose of the North by Thai people, it's, yeah. it certainly is the gateway to the north. Yeah, it really is. And, and, and before we get into our favorite spots, which we're just about to do, just keep in mind for people, like if you want to get into the great outdoors, you mentioned it once, but it can take an hour or two to get to that place to ride an elephant or a bamboo raft, or even getting to the top of Doi Sutep, which is kind of the most famous temple up on a mountain. It's about 11 or 12K up. I mean, best case, it's 30 minutes, but in holidays, it can be a couple hours. So just be sort of prepared to deal for probably maybe a bigger center than you're used to, but it still has lots of great stuff. And one of my favorite places to go is you got to start in the old city. And, and Chiang Mai, where it was actually started, was a moated city. And today there is a part of the wall left, but there's still a moat that runs around it. And it's about, I think, about four and a half K around the whole thing. But the old original city uh, is still inside. And inside it, you have some of the most famous temples like Wat Ka Sing and Wat Chedi Luang. You also have new hotels. You have old little shop houses. You have quirky little... Um, shop selling knickknacks. You actually have a woman's prison with a woman's prison massage, which we'll, we'll get into. But really to me, I mean, walking part of that moat is super interesting. There's a couple wet markets, um, but just getting lost in there either by bicycle or foot for a good number of hours and just sample the foods that you encounter, have some cool little drinks. I mean, have a massage. You'll stumble upon little jetties, which are like stupas or pointed you know, temple type objects. It, it's, it's a fascinating, literally like walking through a museum. Yeah. I think, uh, the, the old city is definitely a, a must see, must do kind of area in Chiang Mai, mm -hmm. um, for obvious reasons, but, but like, because Chiang Mai doesn't have all these high rises and because the old city is still enclosed in this moat that has these old fashioned style gates surrounded by brick walls and, and whatnot, um, if you ride a bicycle through the old city and you get like off the main roads into some of the little back alleys where there still are wooden old school traditional style houses and, and these, yeah. these neat little temples with Buddha images that are four or five hundred years old. Um, it, it's really neat to just explore and, and get lost a bit and, and don't worry about the time or don't worry about sightseeing. Just kind of get a good feel for, for what the old city vibe is like. Yeah, I think it's always a great go-to. When in doubt, even if you've been in there, just go again. And the nice thing is that you really can't get lost because all that's going to happen is you're going to hit one side of the moat, right? So it's a great spot to go to. Uh, so using that as your anchor, um, a lot of people, they want to shop. And you and I, I don't think are huge shoppers, but it is a pretty darn cool place to shop. And I just want to touch on two kind of night markets, which have become kind of a very big hip thing across Thailand. But uh, Ratchadamnun Road, which is the main road that kind of heads east-west, or west-east, on Sunday night, they turned it into a pedestrian street. And it's super packed. 
all kinds of knickknacks, handicrafts, food. It's, it's a great place to go all around on Sunday night. Conversely, on Saturday night, head to the west side, across the moat, and there's an interesting street and district called Wulai. And in the daytime, they have all kinds of silver shops, and it's interesting in its own right. But on Saturday night, again, it turns into a, a pedestrian market, and it's a really cool spot to uh, stroll around, huh? Yeah, I think uh, Chiang Mai is pretty cool because they do have a lot of different night markets. Uh, there's an area just to the east of the old city that's like the night market, quote unquote. And uh, and that's not necessarily the best night market in the city. That one on Ratchadam Nun is really cool. Wulai is really cool. It seems yeah. like I think just about every night of the week there's a different night market in a different part of the city. Yeah. Um, and, and they one of the great things is the food. Like Thai people love to eat. And uh, just about every kind of food you can get on a stick, you can buy and walk around and, and just snack and shop. Uh, and, and it's a very quintessential, uh, very Thai uh, experience. Yeah. Um, I know. Sorry. I know you know a little bit about where to get hill tribe goods or to see real ones. Where can people do that? Yeah. You know, there are a lot of hill tribes up in the mountains and like of course you can go and visit them and try and barter with them to, to buy something and, and obviously mm. in some of the night markets they're going to sell that kind of stuff but if you want to get authentic hill tribe crafts um, there's a hill tribe research center um, uh -huh. and, and it's to the north of Chiang Mai, just north of Chiang Mai, there's the Chiang Mai Museum. I think it's the National Museum. And yeah. then just a little farther from, from that, uh, on a motorbike, it could probably take you like 10, 15 minutes, is the Hill Tribe Research Center. And they have a really cool museum there that talks about all the different tribal groups. Um, but they also have a, a small but excellent uh, gift shop. And, and I've bought a, a bunch of little souvenirs and gifts, like bags and cell phone cases. You wouldn't think that Hill Tribe people are making cell phone cases, but they are because <laughs> they know that that's what people need and want nowadays. Sure, you know? sure. Um, also, just to the west of town, beside Wat Suan Dok, which is one yeah. of the the bigger, more popular temples. It's a nice one. Yeah, right, right to the to the north of that, by the parking lot. There's another hill tribe uh, trading company. It's kind of like a social enterprise, just to you know to get all the hill tribes to sell all their their goods in one place. Um, right. And and everything's labeled what tribe it comes from and everything. So even if you're gonna do a, a trek, I, I recommend going to the museum and checking out these, uh, you know, these product outlets just to learn a bit more about the cultures before you go up and see them yeah now going from traditional to kind of the modern one place that i didn't know about for years in chiang mai which is kind of the it spot is niemenheimen road and it's emerged a lot over the last decade plus and niemenheimen road and all the kind of lanes that feed off it today is full of cool restaurants cafes bars funky shops high-end galleries I mean, it's a great place to stroll day or night. So I think if people are looking for sort of cutting edge stuff and they want to kind of see uh, Chiang Mai residents, younger and older, like really kind of living it up, uh, Niemenheimen is a pretty top spot to do that. Yeah. You know, I was just looking at our show notes and uh, it looks like you and I spelled Niemenheimen almost identically, <laughs> just a couple of letters differently. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Niemenheimen is kind of, a, it's the new, new Chiang Mai. Yeah, it if, sure is. You know, if Chiang Mai is the new city, this is the, 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 the Chiang Mai Mai, if you will. Yeah. Right. Um, it's right by Chiang Mai University, so there's lots of young kids there. Uh, the big Maya shopping center, which is like the big modern shopping mall like we have a thousand of here in Bangkok, um, that's
that's like the modern shopping mall in Chiang Mai. Okay. And it's just at the it's at the northern end of Niemenhamen. So it's really easy to find the Maya shopping mall, and you can just sort of cross the street, even though that road's not easy to cross. And then that's Niemenhamen Road. There's all sorts of cool bookshops, antique stores, art galleries, uh, lots of cool cafes and bars. It's kind of a where the artsy Thai, Thai Chiang Mai kids and, and hipsters hang out. Hipsters. Well, let's yeah. get back to the original hipsters. And one other area that I think is kind of cool, it's very, very small, but on the east side of the Ping River. So if you leave the old city out the wall, Tape Gate, you head east and you go over the river. And then just north is the Wat Ket area. And Wat Ket area is one of the older areas. And they have some really neat little historical buildings and some quite high-end shops and galleries and some very famous restaurants and night spots like The Good View. And that's a really neat place I like. And then if you want wooden items, furnitures, table, lamps, chairs, and don't worry, all these places accept credit cards and chip overseas, head south of the city to Hangdong. And Hangdong, man, they have huge shops out there and you'll see like every conceivable thing made of wood that you want. Um, before we move on from shopping, is there anything else you want to toss in there, Trevor? Yeah, you know, I, I threw this in after the fact when, when I, I just remembered it because uh, I saw that uh, Nima's mother, Nancy Chandler, recently passed yeah, away. So our con- condolences to the Chandler family. Yeah. Um, but but Nancy Chandler, she created these guidebooks in map form yeah. of Thailand. And, and they're just beautiful. They're really sure. colorful. They're incredibly informative. And I remember years ago, I, I was up in Chiang Mai and I had a Nancy Chandler map. And I saw that there was a, a buffalo market just to the south of, of Chiang Mai town. Oh, wow. So probably like, like 20, 30 minutes south, right? Maybe 20 minutes, okay? And uh, we went down there to go check out the buffalo market. But it turns out that it's a big outdoor market. They have secondhand goods for Thai people. Um, but they also had like a snake charmer and all sorts of these like magic men performing Ooh. like exorcisms and stuff like that. And uh, it, it was a really neat cultural experience. So if you get your hands on a Nancy Chandler map, look for that buffalo market. Wow, that's it's cool. Never heard of that. town. And, yeah, and, and you don't necessarily have to buy a buffalo. You could just put a couple of bids on them and hope, hope somebody bids higher than you. Um, but it's just a cool local place to shop rather than just going to the touristy places. Yeah, and that's a sweet map to buy and a great souvenir. You know, she does them for Chiang Mai and Bangkok and other areas, but they're really colorful, really creative. And I'm sure they'll live on because her uh, daughter Nima runs it. But uh, yeah, condolences to them. That's a great one. So we got a lot of ground to cover here in under 15 minutes now probably. But getting out of the city, I mean, most people all have to see Doi Sutep, right? What is it? Where is it, Trevor? Uh, Doi Su Tep is actually the a, a national park that's just outside Chiang Mai, right. and uh, it's either one of the the largest or the oldest, or certainly one of the coolest uh, temperature wise too. Because uh, mm. while Chiang Mai is up in the north of the country, Chiang Mai itself isn't at a, a high altitude. But but as soon as you get up towards Doi Su Tep, the temple in the national park, it, there's some elevation there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a very popular temple, kind of the holiest up there. Um, I'm not actually sure of the vertical gain, and I should know because I've gone up it a lot of times, but you get great views of Chiang Mai, and sort of if you're going to go to one, you've got to do that. The only thing is to keep in mind is it's going to take you at least 30 minutes to get up there, and if it's a busy day or a holiday, you're looking at an hour to two hours. Um, I just want to throw out one more thing. If you're a cyclist and you can climb hills, hop on a bike, and it's 12 kilometers roughly to the top, and it's pretty steep, but it's it's a rewarding um, ride and then if you have more in you you can climb about another 10 or so to the very 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 top of the mountain and then there's dirt tracks and single tracks down from there now you want to consult someone about which way to go but it's a pretty slick way to go up or come down 
Yeah, it's a pretty challenging bike ride. Even on a, a motorbike, if you're not an experienced motorbike rider, I don't know. I mean, the road isn't like that treacherous or anything, but with traffic on it and a little bit of loose gravel, loose gravel on the sides of the roads, yeah. I, I wouldn't recommend it. There's uh, in to get around Chiang Mai, they have these red pickup trucks called Song Taos, and that yeah. you can just jump in or on or off them and pay, you know, fifty cents or seventy-five cents to get from one side of Chiang Mai to the other. But you can also hire them. Uh, to charter so if you want to get up to Doi Sutep you can always flag one of these little pickup trucks down and ask them hey you know will you take me up to Doi Sutep and you're you're gonna have to negotiate a price but they'll take you up there and they'll wait for you while you go to the temple and and give you a ride back down afterward yeah absolutely so let's get into kind of continuing out into the outdoors a bit more I know one thing most visitors have on their list is I've got to see and experience an elephant and I mean these days, there's a lot of, you know, talk and, and writing about, I mean, should you ride an elephant? Should you spend any time with an elephant? Should they not just be out in the wild? And I mean, this is a whole nother episode and a whole nother can of worms. But I mean, if you're going to spend time with them, and I mean, I have tons of times, I think it's a legitimate thing. Some uh, of these experiences, you'll just ride them. Some of them, you bathe and feed them and spend the whole day with them. Others, you just bathe and feed, but you don't ride. And then there's really touristy ones where you watch them kick a football into a net and paint a picture. So you've got to kind of decide which one it is you want to do. I would say avoid the ones where they're painting and kicking footballs and stuff. And those ones are generally found up near the uh, Route 1095, which is around the Mayrim area. And that road there has bungee jumping and, you know, like a snake farm and a monkey show and maybe a snake fighting a monkey show. But Hmm. the ones out there are pretty touristy and not so good. What do you think? Yeah, the elephant one is a slippery slope, and uh, we'll put a link on here to uh, a story that I wrote recently about elephant camps in Thailand, because a friend of mine from university, his uh, daughter was going to come out here to do some veterinary volunteer work with the elephant center. And Mm -hmm. uh, while I haven't been to the elephant nature park in a number of years... Um, yeah. The Elephant Nature Park now has this massive office right next to Top Hay Gate in like the middle oh, really? of the most tourist area. And, uh, you know, almost all the elephant camps are exploitive by one definition of another. But, sure. you know, the Elephant Nature Park, at least they didn't force their elephants to, to give rides or do shows or anything. But it, it seems to have become such a successful money-making venture that, that I don't know. That, you know, I mean, if you want to just experience elephants, that's probably a good place to go. Um, if you just go south of the city a little ways, down to Lampang, um, mm-hmm. that's where the official government-run Thai Elephant Conservation Center is. Right. Um, and while they do do some of the shows, like the elephant painting, um, the, the whole place is very educational. They look after the king's albino elephants there at the TECC, and clearly they care for their elephants. So I think uh, going down to Lampang to experience elephants is probably the easiest, uh, most quote-unquote humane way to experience elephants aside from elephant nature park who you know do a great job for the elephants they they take care of but but it's clearly a a money-making venture right yeah there's all kinds of great ones i can think of names popping in my head at the end of the day i would just say research read online see which one sounds right for you and try and avoid the ones where they're kicking soccer balls and painting right yeah um sticking you know with the outdoors and something that's often combined kind of a typical outing if you go really out to the mountains is to say do a bit of a trek for a couple hours ride an elephant and then do some bamboo rafting and you know it's, it's kind of fun they make a simple raft out of bamboo and you stand or sit on it and the guy kind of pulls your way uh down through the river what do you think of it yeah i is that the ping river still up there 
Uh, you know, there's a few up there, but the Ping River does come from the north, heading south. I, I think it's along. City, the, I think it's along the Ping that the Elephant Nature Camp is. And and one time I went up there just to do a bamboo rafting, and mm-hmm. it went right past or through the center of the Elephant Nature Camp, and and the elephants were there, like bathing in the river and everything. So, I mean, I guess you could look on Google Maps to see to to check if that was the Ping that that goes through the Elephant Nature Park. Um, but that was a pretty cool experience. And I know that there's actually some some genuine rafting up there. Uh, probably in or just towards the end of the monsoon season, but I've never done any proper rafting up north. Have you? Yeah, there's there's a couple spots in Nan Province in the northeast is famous. There is out of Chiang Mai, but you're really limited there. Like you want to get there right after rainy season, like kind of like October, November. Otherwise, it's not great, great, great. Um, I just want to mention kind of three other areas that if people have a full day and they want like a full day of you know, the rivers, the mountains, all that. Three areas worth considering. Now, these are all a couple hours each way, but one is uh, Meitang. And Meitang area is north, about two hours away, but you're out in some really nice, beautiful mountainous country. Perfect for trekking, bamboo rafting, elephant riding. One thing is rainy season. The access roads in there, they're, they're dirt, and they get really, really messy. Um, another one is Shengdao. And Shengdao is one of the third highest peak in Thailand. If you've got a full day, you can start super early in the morning and scale the whole thing. It's 2186 meters high. There's a really cool place to stay called Shengdao Nest. They're sort of nice bamboo bungalows and they do gourmet food. So that's a, a really super way to get out into the outdoors as well. Yeah. Um, I also, I wanted to mention uh, rock climbing, although I haven't personally done any climbing up there. I hear the climbing right. I hear the climbing is quite good. So people that are into to rock climbing, uh, I think if you just Google it, uh, there's a couple of outfits there in Chiang Mai that I've talked with over the years. And and I think there was one route called Crazy Horse or some sort of summit that's called Crazy Horse that, that I've heard is pretty good. Um, otherwise, yeah, I think, uh, you know, doing an overnight trek or something like that, uh, you've got to do some research again because just like ex- exploitation of, of elephants, I think there's a lot of hill tribe communities that are far from authentic nowadays and, and they're really just totally reliant on uh, tourism and, and it's hardly an authentic experience and, and I think both the, the hill tribe trekking and the elephants, sometimes people walk away from it feeling worse wishing they hadn't even done it you know? Yeah, you definitely have to clear the image you have in your head and kind of try and figure out what reality is. I want to throw one quick more outdoor thing before we get into food and drink. And this is something that, I mean, we're going to get into how to spend your three nights in Chiang Mai at the end here. But one of them to me, if you're only around for three nights, you probably don't have a whole lot of time for the outdoors. But a great thing to do is drive the Samung Loop. And the Samung Loop is about 100 kilometers. It's it's a circle. So you'd head north of Chiang Mai. I mean, for whatever reason, I think of doing it counterclockwise. And you gradually head up into the mountains. Uh, you do about 1,500 meters of vertical climbing up and down. And it's through really stunning, classic northern Thai scenery. Rolling mountains, rice paddy fields, passing hill tribe communities, sweeping mountain vistas. It's awesome. So you know, I'd say rent a, a little Suzuki kind of Jeep type thing or a car. If you don't feel comfortable, get someone to drive you. Rent a motorbike if you're an experienced motorbiker. It's very windy. And if you're a real athlete, even people ride a bike through it. It's awesome. But take some food, have a little picnic. But that loop is incredible. To me, if you don't have time to really get out into the true Chiang Mai for a long period, but you like want to see that northern classic Thai views, the Samung Loop's a great way to spend a day. And as you come in towards the end of the loop, you'll come in through the Hangdong area, and you can go check out some furniture and shop then. Yeah. So Trevor, let's touch on some food here. What's the most famous dish 
that you got to have when you're up there. Um, well, I guess the most quintessential northern Thai dish is khao soy. And uh, khao soy is like a, a mix of yellow egg noodles in a soupy curry kind of broth. Um, and then it comes with a side of condiments, uh, mm. some, some lime, some, yes. uh, some kind of red uh, onion, um, yes. maybe what else they put in there? It's almost like a kimchi in a way. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's cool. I like the fact that uh, well, you can get it like Burmese style, which I think is with the clear soup, yeah. And then the yeah. Chiang Mai style is is kind of with the yellow yellowish soup. Um, yeah. And then they put kind of those crispy noodles, kind of the, the the kind that they put on Chinese chicken salad in in North right. America, yeah. Yeah. Um, to give it a little crispy. So I like the fact that it, it's got different textures. It's spicy, but you can throw the the little lime chunks in there and the onion in there to to give it a little personal variety. Um, there's actually a restaurant that's called Just Khao Soy, um, yeah. that's near the, the, the quote unquote night market part of town. Um, right. that, that I think is pretty cool. Uh, but you can find little back alley stalls and I'm sure just like down here trying to find the best Muping or something like everybody will probably have their favorite place to get Khao Soy. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, um, from my experiences, the kind of the dumpier the little shop looks like, the better they are. And you'll be driving around and you'll just see one. You'll see people in them and, and it looks dumpy and grungy. Jump in, search online, find where people like them. But khao soy and uh, also at most places that sell khao soy, you can get sai hua, which is like a northern sausage. It's a little tangy, almost a little sour. You'll get some kind of maybe some grilled pork, but like sticky rice and just, ooh man, just eat as much of that as you can while you're up there. And then another thing I love, so we've had our food is that Chiang Mai to me is almost the ultimate place in Thailand for drinking. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a party spot, I think. I mean, certainly that Niemenhamen area that we were talking about before, that's kind of the hipster mm -hmm. hangout. That's where all the, like, the craft beer bars are and stuff nowadays. Um, but actually on the, the west side of the old city, near uh, the gate that exits the west side, there's a bunch right. of cool little like drinking holes, cafes, watering spots like that. But of course, like where, where most of the best action is, is along the riverside, yeah. Yeah, the one thing I love about Chiang Mai is like you don't have to go further than five or ten minutes at night to get to kind of any bar. And there are literally so many places with live music. I mean, the famous ones are along the Ping River on the east side, the Good View, the Riverside, the Gallery. I mean, they're all great and you're going to hear good music. There's even a place I ended up once with sand on the ground called the beach. But I mean, that is a town to me where man, you can just have an infinite number of fun nights out. It's a really great place for partying it up. Now, of course, once you've done the partying, you got to lay your head down. And another great thing about Chiang Mai is there's every conceivable end of the spectrum from super cheap to palatial. What are some of the kind of places you really dig for hotels, Trevor? Um, you know, I, I, I was going to follow up on, on what you had mentioned, but I think that uh, there's a lot of good places in, in every spectrum from high end to, to super budget because there's a lot of backpackers right. in town there, too. Um, for high end, I really liked when I stayed at the Dara Devi. Um, mm. But that's because they put me up in like this two <laughs> two story, two bedroom villa. I had two jacuzzis, one indoor, one outdoor. I had an outdoor pool. And, and my outdoor pool was on the edge of these rice fields. And you just look out like over these rice fields and there's water buffaloes out there. And this is all within the, the this walled compound that's just massive. You need a Yeah, that's the Mandarin Orientals property, right? Yeah, it was at, for some time. I'm not sure if it, if it presently is. But I mean, you go into the spa and there's a, a, a Burmese temple and it's the spa itself is a replica of the palace in Mandalay, uh, Myanmar. And then <laughs> 
then yeah. and then and there's a little temple next to the spa and there's this 900 year old buddha statue and i'm sitting in there just kind of like relaxing and then i remember like i'm in a hotel right now so, yeah. so at the high end, I mean, if you can afford the, the nicer villas, I heard the standard rooms. If you're just going to get a standard room there, you might as well go to the Four Seasons. Which yeah, is they're so seasoned. Yeah. I've stayed there. It's so, so um, Then uh, I think in, in kind of the intermediate range, I like the Sala Lana. Okay. The Sala Lana is right there on the Ping River, just north of the Good View and all those riverside bars. Um, and, and it faces the water and, and it's got a little rocking chair outside and it's really charming. And then at the, the more budget end, I like the Artel Neiman. And these will all be on the show notes for people who want to like check out their websites. But the, the Artel Neiman is kind of this kind of hipstery, artsy hangout. They have a working fire slide, you know, like the old school style slides that you'd get down to the, to the second floor to escape a fire. And, and their windows oh. and doors are like these <laughs> glass portholes and stuff. It's really fun. Oh, like a slide slide. I was thinking like a slide is in photography. There's a slide. No, it's like okay. a slide. Yeah. And you can just, if you're staying on the second floor and you want to get down to the lobby, you just jump in the slide and zoop, there you go. Okay, the one I want to throw in there, you've covered a lot of them, is the Rachamanka. Rachamanka is within the old walled city. It's a really charming boutique hotel. It's about 200 bucks a night, but man, it is, it is really, really cool. I like it a lot. And you know, another solid property. It used to be called the Chedi, and it is now called the Amantara. It's been taken over by a, a Thai group, and it's a, it's a really nice place. The Amantara has very sleek modern stylish rooms but also i like they have a nice bar along the river and in the lobby they have some super comfy kind of like bed chair type things and they used to have an awesome happy hour there when it was the jetty uh, i don't know if they still do but that's another good place yeah a lot of love for the anantara i stayed there last year it's a uh, great service is excellent yeah okay well let's wrap this thing up rather than a, a proper outro let's actually give you our three nights in chiang mai and i think the idea here is that we're we're being considerate knowing you don't have time to go do a two-night trek somewhere or scale a mountain or drive too, too far. So if we had three nights in Chiang Mai, what would we do? Do you want to start it off? No, with, why don't you go uh, ahead and give yours yeah. and then I'll just supplement it if okay, I think sure. there's a... You're obviously going to arrive. I think then go right to the old city because less cars in the old city, a little quieter, whether you do it by foot or bicycle. Just check out the streets, jump down the little side lanes, check out shops, see the fresh markets. Then within the old city, get a massage at the Chiang Mai Women's Prison Massage Center. Now, sounds strange. It's not the world's best massage, but some of the women inmates, they get to leave the prison in the day and go learn the traditional art of Thai massage and give it to customers. Kind of quirky. Then have dinner along the Ping River, maybe at the Good View, somewhere casual, and then go hear some of the music. And then walk over some of the bridges just before you go home at night. They're really nice and lit up. And then get a solid night's sleep. Day two, Doi Sutat. you got to go up to the most important temple. Get it out of the way. If you want, bike up and go down the dirt tracks or just do it by uh, regular vehicle. Now, here's a good idea. Rent a vehicle. Go up Doi Sutat. Then come down and drive the Samung Loop, the 100-kilometer loop. Take some snacks, maybe some sandwiches, a couple cool drinks. And, uh, you know, make a go of it. And then stop at Hangdong, south of the city, on your way back into town. Check out some of those shops that do really nice wood stuff. Then in the evening, head to Niemann Roll Road. Stroll, eat, drink, be merry, see the hip kids doing their thing. You're going to have a really nice night there. And then maybe even walk some of the moat and just see if there's an interesting bar around the moat area of the old city that catches your eye on the way in. Slide into day three. Do some sort of elephant experience and or bamboo rafting or something outdoors, maybe if a big trek's your thing, but get that out of the way. Do that. Enjoy some time with elephants. Then you got to get a hotel 
massage, maybe a Thai massage pre-dinner. Then pick one of the best places that you've sought online to eat, have a great, great meal. Hit one of the night markets if you're there on Saturday or Sunday. And then I think the way to end the night is stroll down, let's call it colorful, like Road, where there's a lot of go-go bars, and there's even a crazy kind of bar square with a Thai boxing ring. I mean, go in there, have a drink somewhere, chat with people, just see what it, what's happened, and then maybe end with some live music somewhere. Day four, get some khao soy, some more sai ua for breakfast, hit one more spot that you've been intrigued by, one more massage, and then uh, get out of Chiang Mai. Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty good way to spend uh, three nights. Uh, a couple things that I might throw in there that you didn't mention. Uh, mm -hmm. For those people that are really into Thai food, um, there's some excellent cooking classes up in Chiang Mai. Right, right, um, right. I did this one. With, it's called the Organic Farm Cooking School, and it's, yeah. it's up in the hillsides just uh, north of town. And uh, I liked it because it is out in the, the hillside. In the morning, you get to go to a wet market, and you get to buy some of your groceries because they don't grow all of the food up at the, at the farm. Um, if you don't do a cooking class, you should definitely try and hit up a, a wet market. Um, I think that's where to get the best site is, is from the markets. Um, but the, the Thai cooking classes there are excellent. Another thing for food is we, we didn't really talk about the kontok, like the kontok dinners. Yeah. So in, in Chiang Mai, you can go see like a dancing show and they'll do a uh, kontok dinner beforehand. And it's a, a northern style. Uh, I don't want to say a buffet, but but it's a variety of different foods, um, stuff that you're not necessarily going to get in Bangkok, uh, just doing touristy things. Um, and some of the kontok dinners are a little bit touristy, but some of them are pretty good, too. I think that the Thai Chiang Mai Cultural Center um, is actually pretty good. Um, and, okay. and like I said earlier, check out some of the museums. The National Museum just had a renovation this past year, and, and it's got some really fascinating stuff, and, and the Hill Tribe Museum as well. Oh, and finally, if you're talking about massages, um, I know at Wat Suan Dok, they do have a massage center there. Um, but Suan Dok and I think Chedi Luang are two places where you can do a monk chat. And, oh, right, yeah, right. And they have uh, young Buddhist monks. Uh, who are trying to practice their English and visitors can come in at certain hours and speak with these young monks and, and learn a bit about Buddhism and, and help the young monks practice their English. And uh, it's kind of a charming experience. Man, well, we have a ton there. These will be extensive show notes. We'll do a bullet point kind of three days. So make sure you go to the website, check out the show notes. Um, man, I want to go to Chiang Mai again. I guess you got my interest peaked. And of course, by the National Geographic Thailand Travel Guidebook, which you helped write and see what Trevor liked. So thanks so much for joining us for three nights in Chiang Mai. This is Scott Coates signing off from Kuala Lumpur. And Trevor Ranges here in Bangkok. Uh, thanks, Scott. That was a good one. And uh, we appreciate everyone listening. And we'll be back in two weeks uh, to talk to Nick Ray, the author of the Lonely Planet Cambodia guidebook about some off-the-beaten-path Cambodia excursions. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom in Cambodia?